Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition of Already is Workmanship's podcast. I uh, have Logan and Dell with me. Uh, hi, guys. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. So, um, uh, thanks for joining us as we go on this journey today. We're continuing to work on the spiritual inventory and how significant actions affect our spiritual well-being and the well-being of others. And uh, today we're going to cover approval seeking, which we're all so excited to have a long conversation about. <laughs> uh, sorry, sarcasm doesn't come through very well without video. Um, uh, so, you know, um, approval seeking is one of those things that dramatically harms our spiritual growth and our spirituality and it dramatically harms others uh, pretty significantly right so i grew up in a house uh, where there was a lot of approval seeking happening by one of my parents and i learned really early on um to agree to do stuff somebody asks you to do with no intent of ever doing it right that was like my way of doing approval seeking with uh in my household that was the dysfunction the primary dysfunction i learned in my house right so it took me a really long time before i was able to successfully um complete even just a full week of doing everything i said i was going to do for my wife like i agreed to do um i think that took five years of recovery and work to get that habit broken it was really 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 detrimental for me when i got married and had uh, the relationship with my wife it was the only way to function in my household because there was a lot of insanity and a lot of crazy things to make sure that the addict in the house was happy um but yeah i learned how to do that stuff really really early on um and that just like really hampered my uh spiritual condition right because um i was completely unwilling to like have a conversation with god about my issues because i had like no issues right or it was like i had this really weird dichotomy that was like either everything was perfect i was perfect or i was like the cause of all the harm in my life it was like this really weird dichotomy thinking i had at the time um but yeah, it just totally broke my ability to have uh, any sort of relationship with God where I was growing uh, spiritually because I couldn't assess the truth of the matter so I could actually deal with it as the truth. So um, today's um, verse is this one from uh, Luke 6, uh, verse 26, and it's from the Message Version of the Bible, and it's this. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look at how many scandal preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. So, um, yeah, for somebody like me, that is a really, really harsh verse there because that is something I did continuously in my life try to manage my image with everybody um so that i could be okay um like there wasn't a person i didn't do it to um 
it just is right. And then when I cannot manage the relationships to my satisfaction anymore, I just stopped having the relationship. That's the other thing I learned in my family was just to stop talking to people for years. So there's close family members I had that we didn't talk for 10 years um, because of that, you know, approval seeking portion. So um, I'll start off with Logan this morning and ask him what uh, he thinks uh, of the verse and let, let him get started. Ass. No, no. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, I can't do that. No, I'm just kidding. We, um, the, I mean, this one, this one hits, hits home. This, this is probably at the, at the core of my, my, my greatest struggle as a human being ongoing, not something that is in my rear view, but something that I deal with daily on a day-to-day basis is, um, you know, seeing myself through, the um, the lens of everybody else in my life and wanting them to you know it, wanting them to love me wanting them to see me as necessary um you know there i think there's my my wife amanda um she uh, helps me get a lot of perspective on on stuff uh, a lot of times because she her 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 purview like her uh, perspective is that a lot of us believe lies uh, that the devil has told us and that we live our lives sometimes with these lies. And, um, and then the lie that, that we've talked about that I sort of believe at my core is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of, of acceptance. And so that if I want to get there, it's got to be through my performance. And so that, that is, you know, that's just the kind of, so deep down in, in, and I don't know why, uh, aside from it's, it's, uh, you know, you, we pick these things up when we're kids and, um, some of it is through our parenting or family of origin. Um, some of it is, um, just the fact that the world is messed up and the people that we interact with, um, you know, in our formative years, you know, they're messed up too. Um, I think about that with my parents, you know, it's like my, you know, I, I love my parents. They did a, they did a, a great job raising me, but they weren't perfect. And their parents were, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> thank, thank the Lord that I didn't have theirs. Um, but I, you know, you, you grow up believing this and then um, it starts to influence everything that you do. And then you find out that later on that everything that you're doing is for other people and you're, you're not even sure, you know, why you're doing anything. Um, and then, and then you, you try to merge this into this idea that like, well, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to be living for the Lord, right? He's supposed to be our, our, our North star. And I think probably four or five years ago, I started getting really, really convicted that everything that I was doing in my life was to either make my, my employer happy, my wife happy. I want my kids to like me. Um, and so all these different things in my life are arranged around the people in my life, my friends and my family approving of me. And then you enter this, this thing that shakes everything up because you got the Lord and he actually is the one that we're supposed to be serving. He's the one that we're supposed to be worrying about. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, what's your will and is my life in line with it? And it's like at, at cross purposes with all of these other people in my life approving of me. And then the more I serve the Lord, sometimes the less approval that I get from the people in my, in, in my life and in my world and my employer, et cetera. It's like, how do I, how do I deal with that? And then this conviction that at the, at a certain point when I'm living my life 
for other people. It's really idolatry. I'm, I'm worshiping their approval more than I'm worshiping what the Lord has called me to do. And so I, I don't know that I have a handle on this one. I, I struggle with this one every, every day. I struggle with it. You know, every time my, my boss asks me to do something that I know is, uh, you know, that I know isn't, isn't what I should be doing. Um, and, and instead of pushing back on him saying, you know, uh, that's actually not going to be helpful for what you're asking me to do. It's busy work or this or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll just push myself a little harder in order to get there. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I have a handle on this one. I know that I struggle with it every single day and it's really my desire to serve the Lord. Well, that keeps me from falling too far into, um, you know, just hardcore approval seeking of everybody in my life because, I love, I love Jesus and I want him, to, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's approval seeking too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm rotten to the core. Um, but you know, that's what keeps me kind of from getting too far down that road is like, Hey, I can't do this. Um, you know, I, I've got, I've got a mission that he wants me to be on. So I'm looking forward to learning some things from you guys and encouraging from you guys and your struggle with the same thing. How about you, Dell? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so your task is to be true, not popular. And, uh, you know, that, that hits like a brick. I think I told the story early. I had no idea of my insatiable seeking of approval prior to that incident when you and I talked, Todd, when I was speeding because the guy behind me was uh, on my tail. And for some reason, his view of me who I don't know, um, thinking I might be driving like an old person too slow was more important than obeying the law. And I got a ticket and I called you. I'm like, darn it, I got a ticket, but this guy was on my butt. And once you're like, hey, um, I think you might have some damage from your youth with respect to seeking approval. And that was hit me like a brick. And, you know, if I look at the changes that I've made, I've gotten better, but it's still terrible every single day. And I could give some examples there, but I remember, um, it was within days that I deleted all of my social media, anything that had to do with posting and getting in that electronic dopamine cycle. Right. And, <clears throat> And so deleting that and doing those things uh, absolutely helped because I just realized that I wasn't being my authentic self for so many years. And I was being the person I thought others would want to be. And that can lead you to incredibly bad cycles of which, you know, landed me in a lot of uh, bad places. So um, even today I struggle, whether I'm coaching, you know, it's, it's like at the end of the season, if I'm not the very, if these, if I'm not the very best coach, these kids have ever had, I'm a complete failure in my eyes. Right. And so I have to manage that yeah. with, I am just a volunteer. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of it comes from, you know, tracing back a lot of it comes from you know, the way, you know, my mom and dad, I love them to death and they did a great job, I had everything, right? Um, I think that with the times and when we were raised back in those days, there wasn't a lot of empathy there, you know, and I was constantly seeking the approval via sports, never did, 
never sought any approval via school. Um, but as long as the performance was okay on the sports field, I think the school just was okay. So, um, you know, seeking that approval from the parents in a era where there wasn't a lot of empathy is, you know, when I look at my friends, when I look at, you know, I've got tons of friends still struggling with a lot of things, addiction and stuff. I, I, um, I just know that what they're doing is, is trying to fill that gap of approval that we all want. And so long-winded, but uh, that's really, and I just struggle with it every day. You know, I, I struggle with it even on the podcast, right? If I get the material, if I get these and I try to prepare, then it'll be like, oh, I want to be great. I want to affect people's life. I mean, even today, Todd, we got on the podcast and we don't even use video and the video, you know, I'm, I'm not in the best place and there's a fan on and I was seeking your approval of how my, my video looked. Oh, this is bad. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible cycle that I battle every single day. It's not funny that, for, you know, for in me and my family, it was, uh, it was grades. They, they, my, my dad did a great job of like, he coached, I think maybe he, maybe at some point he realized that, his, that I had no uh, real sports ability. I mean, I'm, I'm a tall guy. I'm big. And, and I tell people, they go, Hey, did you ever play sports? And they go, yeah, I played until the fact that I was bigger than everybody wasn't enough. And you needed to be athletic too. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm, I remember that feeling in my, uh, as a kid of like getting my report card and like taking it to my mom and dad and like, they would open it up and they would like look at it. And then it's like this moment, this pause of like, are they going to love me? <laughs> yeah. And like, and they look yes. at me and like, Oh yeah. You know, and, it, and it, not that they were even that hard, you know, but they, it was just, it was a big deal. And, and especially in my mom's family, like my, my grandfather on her side was just an incredibly brilliant man. And all of my uncles are just, you know, titans of industry or you know or at least like engineers and and all of these guys that like have these incredible you know uh incredible you know resumes and like wanting to be part of that club you know i remember it was just like you know if, if i if i didn't if, if i struggled in a class or something like that it was like oh you know i'm not meeting not meeting my potential and it's just you know it was it would haunt me and have a hard time sleeping so yeah. it's just like yeah i don't know i mean if i could yeah i not sports, but definitely similar. Yeah, I think, Todd, one of the other things is um, I have to really focus. And, and Todd, you, you walked me through this. I have to focus on doing the things that I truly want to do. And if you truly want to do this and you know it's valuable to yourself and your family, then you care less about the reactions you get about that action or that activity right so um I, you know i told you how sometimes i would you know do a bunch of yard work do a bunch of this and i'd come in the house expecting my family to be you know have pom-poms on and, and cheerleading me right and it's like at the end of the day now when i do the things that i want and i know they're contributing uh, contributing to the family I don't need the pom-poms, right? You, you, you set your day out. I'm going to do these things. If I get a pat on the back, cool. But I know this is my course of life. And just um, when just managing not getting the reaction you expect, because if we work hard on things, we want someone to say, hey, good job, Tiger. And, you know, you're not always going to get that. 
but as long as you can fall back and say, you know what, I know that what I did was valuable and I know it was a, a big contribution. And so, um, I don't necessarily need your pom-poms is the point. Yeah. Um, so I had a really different childhood than you both. Right. So, um, my approval seeking, like I really found out really early on that I was never good enough to actually get the approval. So that became my, like, like Logan talked about, like, like, like I, I like that, that this, this kind of despair, like I'm not good enough, but if I'm, I bet if I perform well enough, I'll, I'll get the approval and the love. Right. Um, well, I just discovered I just was never good enough, right? Like my my parents always moved the target on me, right? Like, hey, you can drive a car when you have a 3.0 average and then get the like 3.1 average. But like, oh no, these two classes don't count to your 3.1 average because they're gym class and art class. You actually got a 2.95, so you can't drive. Right. Oh, we're gonna take you. Here's a gift to go to Hawaii. Oh, oh, once again, that 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 A you got in gym class doesn't count. You have a two nine five. You can't go. Right. It was like all this stuff. Like every single time, like I learned this stuff. Right. That like oh, the target's going to change. It's not clearly communicated up front. There wasn't a rubric or anything saying, hey, this is this is how we're going to think about everything right it always continuously changed and later on i realized i'm like oh yeah they had their own stuff like they didn't really want me to go to hawaii they wanted to, that space to go for themselves right uh they didn't want these things it's just who they are right um and if they ever listen to this podcast they'll probably be deeply offended by it but um that's okay right like you know uh, they're the ones who had the behaviors uh, around inconsistent things, right? And inconsistent targets. So I deeply internalized that as I can never be good enough. And that's what drove my alcoholism because I was so hopeless, right? And that I could mm -hmm. never perform well enough to receive love. And that that's like where my kind of base thing was, is like, why well, well, I'm probably in the Enneagram 8 because I'm like, well, no one's ever gonna love me anyway so you're just gonna have to accept me the way i am right um which is kind of um there's a there there's a core part of me who is just like two middle fingers to the wind i don't care uh, about anything um but there's also that part of me that wants those things right um but but those things just like were there right i just learned how to do it in terrible ways as, as well so um you know and it's just ugh, right like like all the times i can think of where i was seeking approval right like i ended up um for a huge chunk of my professional life i ended up placing my bosses in the place of like a father figure for their approval right it wasn't until i had the boss that i talked about a few times that it was like super angry punching holes in walls and completely unreasonable that's when that got broken for me and i stopped seeking the approval of my bosses for me to be okay but it took a long time to get through that right it, it took two years of being underneath uh, some really stressful conditions for me to be like broken of that issue um yeah and it's hard because we want that approval we want we want to feel loved we want to be part of the crowd we're 
you know, we're, you know, mammals, right? We want to have that connection with everybody else. It's super important. Um, But what I found is as I've been able to remove my mask and just be me, then I get to have like real, true, authentic love and care, right? Um, And that's what this like fourth step is about, is learning how to um, like identify the mask, right? So in future steps, we will learn how to completely disassemble it and take it off so we can just be our authentic selves. Um, But we have to identify what it is first in order to be able to do that work. So... um, so it's kind of hard right now, right? Because you're like, oh, man, I don't really like that part of myself. I want to get rid of it right away. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're really complex creatures, and it takes time to get rid of some of our, our deep-seated behaviors, right? So, um, yeah, and then it's okay that it's going to take time. It just yep. is. Um, but that's the hard part about doing this particular step, right, is like, you see all the gunk and you want to run away from it, right? It's hard just to be like, trust that God's going to make all things right if we surrender to his will from the serenity prayer, right? That's a, man, we're we're putting a lot of faith out there, right? That God's going to make all these things right once we've acknowledged that that's what's going on. Like, oh, that's an issue. I want it fixed right away. But we're acknowledging that God's going to take care of it. We don't have to, uh, to get through it each day. So... Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's funny that Todd, that you just mentioned two things. I don't know if you saw me on video, just you know, but it was two things the the part where I don't really like that part of myself, right? But you mm-hmm. know, it is it is my authentic self, and I need to be that just like you know, we open and and I'm I go to the serenity prayer so often. We had something prior to even here we were chatting and you know i the serenity prayer just grounds me all the time um with you know grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change i i cannot change those things in the past and the courage to change the things i can and that's when i bolt myself every day and all i have is just to be the best person today and the wisdom to know the difference right it's like I can't change those things of the past and I need to be wise and understand that and accept who I am. And, and when you mentioned also, I remember us chatting early on and um, you know, I felt as though going through um, the alcoholism and changing my life. And I, you know, I talked to you, I go, man, I feel like I'm just going to have no friends with this new life, with this new life. And you know, you talk to me about Jesus and how many <laughs> disciples he had and, you know, and not a lot. Right. And so I go into these days every day, understanding that if I'm my true authentic self, I'm not going to have a hundred people that are my friends. I'm going to probably have 10. I'm going to probably have five that I can go to and really share my feelings. So, um, but it's, it's just interesting that you brought up the serenity prayer. Cause I had it you know, open on my phone the whole time and, and everything that I get grounded, it really helps me a lot. 
Um, I'll be honest, I was distracted by Logan's flinching face when you were flinching, so that's what I made <laughs> <laughs> your flinching face. So. <laughs> well, it's tough. I mean, that, that that concept of like being your authentic self, right? I, I was I was really doing doing a little bit of an inventory after you guys were talking because both of you both of you touched on this idea that like if we just if we focus on doing the things that actually are authentically things that we want to do that we have a desire to do you know passion to do and i was like okay man all the things in my life like what do i do because i want to do it or i feel like fulfilled by it what are the things that i do because other people expect me to do it or i think that they expect me to do it and go down this rabbit hole right um and I mean, th th there's, there's definitely a, a truth to that. You know, it's like, it seems like we, we get short circuited because there's something in us that is that there's something in us that's good, that wants what we do to be, to have a positive impact on our, on our, our family, our, our, you know, society. Right. So that's the idea that, that of, of other people approving of your actions is not in and of itself, totally morally bankrupt there. It's, it's a good circuit to have. But it gets short circuited by by other things. It's like, you know, it's we want to we want to have a positive impact on our family, our loved ones. You know, that's that's a good thing. Um, but then when when we when it gets short circuited by our own neuroses, then it can be very destructive because then then you know we we actually get ourselves up because we actually we need to 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 benefit from our actions too. Like we need to. There, there's a benefit to, to, to being, you know, in that verse, it talks about it, truth, like being who you really are is in itself a service of truth, the concept of truth, like having truth be in your life is I'm going to act authentically to what the way I actually feel the way I actually. And so when we, I guess what it's when that starts to edge out, when there's, when it, when our approval seeking edges out the truth of who we are, there that that's that lie that comes in and now we're living the lie and and not honoring the truth there's i i, I don't know if you guys ever you know uh read narnia or like watched any of the narnia movies like i always said that that idea in the lion the witch in the wardrobe when aslan is like on the stone table and it's because of the deep magics and yeah. and uh there's these deep magics right and i to me it's because god built the world in a specific way but there's like these things that if we're true to them, then we get good results. And, you know, truth in and of itself is serve, uh, our ability to serve truth and to have truth as a concept in our life is an incredibly powerful thing that brings good things with it. It's like when you say something that is true, you can have immediate bad repercussions to it, but putting truth out into the world it has a long-term benefit to the entire world even if it has a short term, you know, it's short term, it's not a benefit to you. And I, I got like way down the rabbit hole there, but, but, you know, just, that's what I was thinking about, like seeking the approval of others at the expense of what I know to be who I am and to be truth is not serving truth. So. Well, you got to experience my like, forceful like i'm gonna do what god tells me to do not what others want me to do really intimately at church mm -hmm. because like where we're going to church for a long time it was there's like a lot of set up and tear down and there's definitely some pressure on me to like 
work on some of those things right but god told me not to do it like every time i pray to like hey should i help them out no and then there'll be like somebody i have to go talk to over in the corner that god will want me to talk to um because god wanted wanted other people to do the work right um and it was a really hard thing to learn as a leader in church that oftentimes like when we want to serve it's because of like our own like approval seeking not because of what what god wants us to do but he wants that gift to go to somebody else that gift of service to be taken up by somebody else and by doing so my son started doing it right when he was like five and right was he like five or six when no was doing yeah. it right oh man and, he was such a champ <laughs> and he was like but but I would have just come in and done like, oh, this just has to be done, right? And would have been like, oh, blah. But Noah comes in and does it with like the joy only a six-year-old can bring, right? Just like joy and happiness. And he's like really funny and has great comedic timing. It just always makes everybody laugh. And one of the guys that consistently served was really hurting at the time. And Noah just broke his heart right just like went straight through all of his defenses and got through to him where nobody else could and like he just built a relationship with this guy and the guy just loved him loved how much he was diligently serving and i was like hey if i was trying to do that myself i would have robbed my son of this opportunity to serve right and so there's a lot of things we can do that are detrimental to others and we're not even aware of it as we as we do the things right and it's hard because there will be pressure on us sometimes like there was definitely pressure on me to perform right um and some people really did not understand why i wasn't doing it and i'll be like my because god told me not to and there's like some it was like really hard it took kind of all the way up until i was leaving and then following after god doing something uh like really extreme moving across the country where everybody kind of got it like like oh okay okay then now i get it right but it, it is hard to get through that right mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's we were kind of assaulted with it all the time and we just have to like lean into god really heavily that he has a plan even though it makes us feel really uncomfortable at the time and i had a lot of really important conversations loving on people by not serving right and I talked to you a lot about it, right, Logan? And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, I you, like, I know exactly who you talked to. Of course, that was exactly the right thing to do today, right? It happened over and over again. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And with Dell, it's like, man, there was like early on there, we were developing a relationship. It was hard. It was like, okay, I'm going to trust that God is going to let this land into his heart. And that we can continue to have on a relationship, right? Like you talked about the, the kid <laughs> and it's really hard <laughs> to be like, like when somebody's really mad and like, it's all somebody else's fault. And I'm just like this broken record player saying, Oh no, what's your part in it. Right. Like, and it's always kind of that, like, what's your part, but the, that gets us out of that terrible thinking. Right. And it's yep. hard when we are first doing that and building relationships with people it'll be like, What's your part of it? Because it's hard. Um, yeah. And looking at that, Todd, it was 
the seeking approval, right? It's, you know, the time I wanted to pack my bag because I had it all figured out, of course. And when you told me, dude, unpack your bags, get a great, you know, right there, you ran the risk of losing the relationship with mm-hmm. me, right? Um, and that's brave on your part, right? It's, yeah. I didn't have a lot of people who would stand up to me and say, you know, hey, get a clue, man. You're, you're doing the wrong thing right there. I could have yeah. hung up and we could have not talked again. And well, I'm grateful for that, that one. Moment. I was, I heard God tell me right when you said that, like I heard the spirit of the Lord say, he's going to drink tonight if you let him go. Yeah. And so it was like, oh man, like he's dead. If, if I don't have this conversation, Dell's dying. So I, yeah. I have to lay it all on the line because, um, because that's, that's what was at stake at that moment in time, right? Was that, yep. um, even if you hadn't been aware of it, that's somewhere deep below your subconscious, you were playing on drinking already that night. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> like you've done too much work. And like, like, no man, just like, just, just let it work on you for another six weeks. Right. Like that's all you needed was six more weeks to like get to the point where you're like, okay. Right. Right. Yep. And so, um, yeah, sometimes it's really easy when the God, when God tells you something like just lay it all on the line because his life is on the line. That's, that's easy. It's when it's like, there, there's not as clear cut thing going on at the time where that that's a lot more scary for me where I have to put a lot more faith in God. Right. So, yep. but when God gives me a clear word like that, I'm like, okay, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but you're right. It is kind of courageous too. Where you're like, okay, I, I, I can't. I just have to put it all it's, on the line. I have to push all the chips into the center of the table and trust because th- there's no other thing to do. So, yep. Yeah, those. Uh, go ahead, Logan. Oh no, no, no. Go, go, Del. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say it, it was that moment and another moment where. Uh, prior to my two buddies dropping me off at rehab, barely coming to a complete stop and kicking me out and saying, beat it, kid. But I remember that moment, Todd, and I do remember when one of those buddies was just looked me in the eyes and said, you need to get your SHIT together. You're going to lose everything. And, you know, my immediate reaction was, who are you to say this to me? And but it was brave on his part. And those were, you know, two moments that really just stand out to me. Yeah. I know the, the roughest 30 days in our relationship, Dell, was um, several hours before they picked you up. And you called me and you're like, I'm not sure why I keep on doing this. And I'm like, it's like, because you don't believe you're an alcoholic. And that was like the last time I heard, that's the last time you talked to me for like 32 days. Cause then you went to rehab and you got back out and I was just like praying the entire time. Like, Lord, just let him be in rehab getting better. Right. Just like yeah. do that. And you came back out and you're like, oh, I made it to 30 days this time. And I'm like, Oh, hallelujah. I thank God. That's so amazing. I'm so grateful. Um, but yeah, that was a scary, that was a scary month for me. Um, Cause I was like, oh, I don't know if he's ever calling me again after that one. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we, uh, I got home, we went to a meeting that same day and, uh, you know, it's hard when you walk in and face your family after 30 days, 
right? Being out, they know where you're at. And I'm grateful for you guys. Yeah, I'm grateful for you too. What, what were you going to say, Logan? Well, no, I, I just think it's it's interesting because the, you know, th- that's something that Todd, that you've done so many times. It's like, oh, chips in, let's let it ride, right? Um, you know, with with the relationship of, of, you know, and I think you just at a certain point, that is that we all have that fear of doing that. Like we have, we have a relationship and it's important and we don't want our life to, you know, we don't want our life to not have that relationship in it, but then that person's doing something that's very destructive or, and then, you know, like we, I, I don't know, for me, I struggle like, okay, well I may lose the relationship, but, and I guess as I've gotten older and, and needed more people to be really upfront with me and tell me truth, you know, I've started to really value those people in my life who will tell me truth and realize that like, well, I don't want to be that guy that lets a relationship be more important than that person's, than that person's well-being. Because in, in, in reality, that's really selfish because I'm valuing, you know, that relationship is valuable to me. I like getting along with that person and I'm, and I'm choosing that over them, them, their benefit. And I don't know where that point is in my life where I, that thing clicked for me. But I had a really hard time for most of my life with truth tellers. Like I didn't want to be around them and somebody started doing it and I would avoid them and I would avoid that relationship. But there was at some point in my life, I don't know, sometime in my early thirties or something like that, or maybe mid thirties where I started to really gravitate to, to and value those types of people. And now I look at my life now and I have those people in my life and I value that more than I valued the flattery of, of, of the people before who would just tell me how much they appreciated me and how awesome I was. And, you know, I don't know what that, I don't know what caused that transition or why that transition happened, but, but I think that that's part of growing up to me. And something I tell my kids, like, Hey, you got to always have that person in your life who will tell you the, the truth um, because that's actually the person who loves you. <laughs> so um, I mean, not that the other people don't love you, but like that person really loves you more than they love having you in their life. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Actually. It's a beautiful thing. Yep. I find myself gravitating towards people who will call me on my nonsense. Yeah. That's that idea of like the truth going, you know, it's like short term, this person's pissed at me long term. I have people in my life who value my real perspective and what I, who I really am. It's like mm-hmm. that truth, long-term benefit to that truth being out in the world is real authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, I, it's a hard thing to learn how to do well. Right. Um, it always has to be motivated by love, not fear. Um if you're if you're telling the truth out of fear all the time, uh, that that's never gonna go well, right? Um, and it has to be always be done with love and care. And and I know I'm just whenever I'm put in that situation because I'm put in that situation a lot, like a lot, a lot. It's painful how much it happens. Um, I just pray a lot that I can do it well, and that God gives me the right words. Um, cause it's, um, I don't know, uh, like I, I like, I want life to be brought into people's lives. Right. And, um, that's a, that's a difficult prayer to do well all the time is to bring life 
Um, so I don't. I pray that I do it well all the time, and hope that I do. Um, you know, and I think there's um, as we do it, and as you gain experience doing it, it becomes a little bit easier. But yeah, um, and I guess I'm 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 hesitant on it because. I see so many people thinking they're telling people the truth, but all they're really doing is spewing hate um, mm. from the church. Um, but that's what bothers me. That that's where my my heart goes when I'm thinking about telling the truth. Right? Is you know, no, like once you start telling somebody that they're sinning and that you know they have all these things wrong with their life, you're not actually owning your stuff anymore, right? Um, but when you share like, Hey, like, how do you feel about this? Or I don't know, my, my, most of the time I share the truth. It'll be like, in my experience, when I was feeling this, I did this, this, and this, and it didn't make me feel any better. It made me feel worse. Right. Uh, I, I it's, it's a delicate line to, to follow. So. Yeah. Um, even, even things that are meant for good can be, you know, everything can be short circuited for people's pathology and their neuroses and everything like that. And, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, that same thing that's true, it's perverted, you know, that's, that's what the devil does perverts yeah. everything. And so we pervert yeah. this idea of talking and telling somebody the truth for their own benefit into being, no, 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 I'm actually going to use this to serve my own political agenda or my own desire to rage at the world. Um, but then we, for, we forget that like, it's supposed to be used in relationship, right? Like you have an opening to say something to somebody to give them truth. When you have a relationship where you've demonstrated your love for them, yeah. you don't have that right to do that. When, when, some, when you just met somebody on the street or you don't really know them, like, how are you going to deliver truth to them? My, my, oh, my, my pastor, my old pastor, uh, Steve Barr, uh, he used to always say like every, between every person or any two people, there's a bridge you know, there's a bridge of relationship and it starts out at like the Indiana Jones swinging bridge with like the little slats that are going to fall out if you stomp on them too hard. And he's like, well, how much truth can you bring over that bridge? Well, not much, but once you have time and you've demonstrated your love and you've demonstrated for somebody, like he would talk about his, his bridge with his wife, you know, they've been married for 40 something years. He's like, he had a four, four lane highway. He could tell her anything because he demonstrated for many, many years, love and respect and care. And so I think that people want to, they want to skip that step. Um, and we can't, we yeah. can't skip the step where we demonstrate to people that we actually care about them as a human being more than we care about their behavior. Then yeah. we actually value them. Um, I just think of my relationship with Dell, right? Like um, I've been told by God for a really, really long time, just be hands and feet. Don't go out and be his word. Right. Like just be hands and feet and love on people where they're at and, I know, Dale, you'll have to tell me this. What is it? I think I probably didn't say anything about Jesus for you until, what, I knew you for six years? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the best thing that you were able to do was convince me to go to that specific AA group, right? Where mm -hmm. every day it just seeped in. And, you know, Todd, when I used to get mad about god it's, it's like god can't be always the answer man todd and then i'd be like well maybe i'll try someone else and then anyone else i tried it was god and you can only go through um seeking help and have it be god so many times before it just 
hits you in the head, right? It was like, I just felt like the angels were storming the beaches of Normandy. I don't know if you remember that picture. I took that little selfie in the, it, I took it, it was raining and I went in the bushes and, you know, and I was like, he, he's after me. God is everywhere. And, and I just, at some point, you just have to let your cognitive dissonance just say, hey, man, like, get a clue and, and maybe this is the right path for you. So, um, thanks, man. As uh, man, I, I I played like so many times after our conversations. Like, oh man, I, <laughs> I hope he calls me again. Um, because because you pop up in my life every three to six months, and you know, oh man, I'm miserable. I'm like, I, I want what you have, and that I would share a little. I'm like, not sure. Yep. It was there that just one day it was. So I am so grateful for the faithfulness of God. And um, I don't know, every time we talk, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's an answer prayer for Todd, because I pray so much, right? It's an answer prayer for a lot of people. I know there's so many people praying for you. So because uh, I keep on meeting them, right? So um cool. Well, thank you so much, guys, uh, for um today it was such a wonderful day talking with you as it always is um i'll be praying on what our next thing we're going to be do on our spiritual inventory list will be um we'll probably i don't know we have probably five or six more weeks of doing uh conversations around these issues and i encourage you guys if you're going through and doing the work of your list of who you've harmed and who's harmed you um looking at that approval seeking as part of that list, right? That's kind of going to be what each one of these weeks is going to be about is like how, how ultimately do these affect things so that um, when we're done with the spiritual inventory, it is thorough and um, uh, something that we can rely on for the rest of our um, spiritual walk. It's like knowing where we were at so we can know where we're going to go. So thank you guys. Um, Del, do you want to pray us out? I will. Uh, I will today, and I will All do right. it without seeking approval about how good you guys think uh, my prayer is. And I'm going to go with my my bread and butter. So, um, so we will start with God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. 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 Thanks, Del. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, guys.